Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, True Vine. It's good to be at the mighty True Vine on a beautiful Sunday morning, and I am honored to be in the pulpit of a great man of God, or should I say great men of God. Amen. Uh, You may be seated. I am honored and thrilled to be here at True Vine and such an awesome church. This is an apostolic church. You know, I know that my watch kept telling me that I'm in a loud environment. And I said, you better believe it. We're Pentecostal. We don't do quiet church. If it's quiet, we're uncomfortable. Amen. So we like it loud and a little rowdy. I always say if you leave church and you didn't sweat a little bit, your hair is perfect. There's something wrong. Amen. You got to give it to God. I enjoy watching your service from time to time online, but I have to say your in-person service is absolutely incredible. And so I give honor to everybody that serves and and all the detail. Amen. I know that uh, a lot of detail goes into all of this. I love walking in here and feeling the presence of God the minute I step in here. It's also a plus to smell fresh coffee as well. So I give you kudos for that. And just as a side note, if you could turn the cameras off, uh, I would actually come to church here if I didn't pastor in L.A. Please, please don't tell my dad that. <laughs> I'm going to come get you, Brother Mark. Pastor Mark. Amen. I uh, just really quickly on the onset here, I just want to recognize the tremendous leadership of this church. Your pastors, Pastor Mark and Pastor Ashley. I know how it works. Amen. I know what I'm talking about. They're pastors too. They are anointed. They are called of God, used of God, just incredible people of God. And uh, they are trendsetters as well. And I appreciate their leadership and their influence in our district. Your senior pastor is also a trendsetter in his fashion. I don't know if you noticed that, but he is a very, very fashionable guy, and I always try to get him the latest pair of NAM socks because he is unapologetic and unashamed to, to show those NAM socks off because it's good style. And uh, he is also a leader maker. I don't know if you know that about your pastor, your senior pastor. He has such incredible God giftings to impart tremendous wisdom and leadership acumen and skill into men. And I, I stand here blessed and thankful to have known Tom Durantz and to allow, to have him invest in me personally, one-on-one. And I know that uh, a lot of the reason why I'm here standing as a director in this position is because I rub shoulders with the great men like that. And I think I want to give honor to him public. Can we give him a hand clap? I think it's appropriate. Absolutely appropriate. Awesome man of God. Amen. I love a church that loves their pastor. You can always feel the presence of God in a place that knows how to honor their man of God. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, Sister Durant is a jewel. My God goodness she is a jewel that shines bright for the kingdom of God amen she may not be loud but she sure is proud and I appreciate that 
Amen. I'm thankful for her love and influence in my life as well. These are tremendous leaders here in this church and in our district, and I honor them. And of course, Chad and Adriana are great friends. Amen. You know, I feel like I'm around family. I really do. When I come to True Vine, I just feel loved. I feel like, you know, you guys care so much for one another. And uh, I'm just, I feel comfortable. Is that okay? I love True Vine. Amen. I didn't get here early enough. I was running late. I would have had a True Vine shirt on myself. But uh, I'm a fan of True Vine. I want to thank, I didn't get my, my controller. I think I left it over here. Uh, is that the iPad right there? Amen. I, I thank Brother Nolan for, for making me look good behind me. I asked him to take my double chin off. I think he didn't have time to do that. But uh, either way, amen. You guys have an amazing facility here. I just want to thank True Vine for investing in the cause of planting churches. As your pastor has already mentioned, uh, you rewind and you go back about two decades and you find a small true vine that was planted there by a man of God that stood up one day and said, I don't know how, I don't know where, and I don't know who's going to come along with me on my journey, but I'm going to answer the call. And because he answered the call, we sit here today in a fantastic setting where the presence of God is not just ministering to you, but the Bible says it's going to go from generation to generation. And you know that loved one that's not here yet, you just keep coming faithfully because they will be here. This is where they belong. And so I want to thank True Vine for investing in North American missions. I appreciate Pastor Durant's giving a small synopsis of uh, what North American missions is. Essentially, we are a ministry within the SoCal district that helps to promote and inspire the operation of church planning. Uh, and so I'm very thankful for churches like True Vine see if I can find my I'm not used to all this technology there we go is that all right there it is eight thousand one hundred ninety one dollars and eighty two cents I think we can do better than that let's give ourselves a hand clap that's amazing that's amazing pastor said it was somewhere around 83 I might have missed it I apologize but either way an offering in the amount of over eight thousand dollars is absolutely commendable and I thank you for your sacrificial giving I want you to know that when you give to offerings like this and others that that are investing in uh, the SoCal district such as ladies and others you are literally touching lives that you've never met and when you get to heaven somebody might actually come up to you and say thank you for giving you, you help give dollars to churches across North America and you touch my life. You're a reason why I'm in church. And so I want to thank you for that. Um, at this time, I want to call up Pastor and Pastor Durance. I'll let Sister Durant stay down there. She looks comfortable. And then I'll call up Brother Mark as well. Uh, I want to present to them uh, what we have in the SoCal District is something called the Namsock Club. The NAMSOC Club is for anybody who has given over $500, 500 or more into the cause of, of planning churches, Christmas for Christ. And so if you see anybody wearing NAMSOCs, like your pastor's wearing NAMSOCs, that's because he gave at least $500 to the cause of, of Christmas for Christ and planning churches. And I told you he was a trendsetter. He's a fashionista. And I, is that the male version? He's a fashion guy. Fashionisto, yeah. There we go. And uh, so I want to present both these great men of God with the fresh pair, never worn, never used, smell great, fresh pair of the Nam socks. Amen. Forgiving. 
But I also heard that there was somebody else in here that gave a record offering or gave a large offering, and that was a Brother Fernando. Is a Brother Fernando here? I would like Brother Fernando to come on up if you can. And I want to present... I want to present Brother Fernando with a pair of these socks as well. Thank you, bro, for giving to the kingdom of God and investing in Christmas for Christ. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. If there's anybody else in here, you, you can be you can see if, you, if there's anybody else in here that gave in this offering, 500 or more, I would like you to come up. I want to present you. We, we have... Uh, also women's scarves as well they're called nam scarves that's a new addition with a little pin it depends on what you want thank you my brother appreciate it but i want to honor those who gave at least 500 or more yeah, with your choice whichever one they want is there anybody else in here anybody else in here that uh gave 500 or more okay no problem amen um somebody told me i should bring a pair of socks for a little boy by the name of nixon And I understand he's not here today, but I did bring them. I have kids' nam socks. So I want to give these to Brother Nixon. Amen. And I appreciate him. Amen. Okay. Awesome. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for what he's doing. Amen. We serve an awesome God. If you believe that, why don't you stand to your feet and let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise as we get ready for the word of God here this morning. Amen. As I've already said, I am honored to be here. What a delight. Thank you for the opportunity and privilege to share the Word of God with this great church. Um, I'm going to be reading out of the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read out of the NIV version uh, because it just has a few key words there that I think that uh, are going to be a perfect fit for our message this morning. I want to tell you that I, although I was invited to be here, I feel like I'm in the will of God. I have no idea what you're facing in your life. I don't know what troubles or what trials or struggles that you're facing, but I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, God knows. And I believe I have a word for you here today. I have a word directly from God. And I appreciate his confirmation of that. The word of God says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest, I actually might be reading the wrong version. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried unto Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what, what do you want? What do you have in your house? And your servant, she replied, has nothing there at all. Everybody say nothing. She said, except a small jar of olive oil. A small, a small jar of olive oil. For a little while today, I want to preach to you on the topic of the God of nothing. The God of nothing. Will you raise your hands and your voice here? Father, we're thankful for the presence that we feel here today. 
I thank you, God, for what you've already done through the song service and the ministering here. God, and we are thankful for what you're going to do. I pray that your word would go forth mightily and anointed today. God, I pray that you would minister in a deep way unto your people, your congregation. I pray it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Amen. On August 2nd, 1939, just before the beginning of World War II, Albert Einstein and several other scientists uh, told President Roosevelt of efforts in Nazi Germany that they were attempting the purification of what would be known as uranium-235, which would, could be used to build, uh, at the time, an atomic bomb. And it was shortly thereafter that the United States got involved and made some uh, quick decisions there to start research. And so through the years, the course of six years, more than $2 billion was invested into what, a, what the project was known at the time as the Manhattan Project. And uh, the idea was to come ac- basically come up with a bomb that would uh, have competition with the opposing countries at the time. And so the A in the beginning of Adam is essentially added on there to the word as indivisible or not dividable because atoms were invisible to the naked eye. I don't know how you can invite or divide nothing because there's nothing there. And so the project was developed to be able to come together with the greatest minds of that day to develop what would be known as the atom bomb. And essentially, they're dealing with nothing. There's nothing that they could see with their naked eye. And so finally, the day came that after they had come together for those years, that they came up with a gadget that they would take for testing. The name of the gadget was the gadget. It was the code name, the gadget. And so what was happening here is they had invested all this money at that time and they had gathered together at a place early morning in 1945 to find out if all this money and time and research would be a colossal dud or if this would be a bomb that would go on to change the world. And so early in the morning in New Mexico in the year of 1945, they detonated what would be known as the atomic bomb. The atomic bomb would go on to change the world as we know it. Everything about the world, all of the war infrastructure, the country infrastructure, the electric infrastructure would be built on what would be known as the atom bomb. The atom bomb came forth with such incredible intensity with a vapor cloud, a mushroom cloud that would go up 30,000 feet. Beneath that cloud, all that would remain was radioactive glass that was created by the heat and the radiation. So the brilliant light from the detonation pierced the earth morning skies with such intensity that it would actually go on record as a fact that a blind girl that was 120 miles away would go on record and say that she had a flash hit her eyes as a result of an atom bomb. After they realized the intensity and power of this atom bomb that they had produced, they realized the great, uh, the great responsibility that it came with. And so they didn't know what to do. But the incredible thing of all of these great minds, including that of Robert Oppenheimer, who was the lead scientist, the conclusion was is they made something life world-changing 
out of essentially nothing. And so today, I want to talk to you about the nothings of life. The nothings of life. If I ask somebody here today to define the word nothing, I don't think anybody would have a problem defining the word nothing. It's pretty easy. The definition essentially means nothing. Not anything. There's nothing there. there. There's nothing that exists. I think that we can all agree that the word nothing has a negative connotation. There's nothing positive about the word nothing. There's nothing great about that word. And so when somebody says, I have nothing, that means you have nothing. You don't have anything to show for whatever it is that you would want to have in life, in health, in, in, in your job, or whatever it is, you would define it. It would be an emptiness. It would mean that you were poor. It would mean that you were valueless. It would mean that you were low class, if you will. And at some point, everyone in this room can possibly testify that at some point in your life, you felt the effects of nothing, whether it be loneliness or whether it be isolation or whether, whether it being the feeling of possessing nothing of great value. I can recall uh, the early years of being married, what wonderful years those were when we didn't have anything really to speak of in, 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 comparing ourselves to couples who had been married for 15 or 20 years and they were already established and they already had furniture and they, they had a car or two, you know, or, or they had a nice apartment and I'm looking around at, at six months thinking I, I'm in love, but I don't have nothing. I know that's poor English, but let me just keep using the word, okay? I don't have nothing. And so it is a state of not really feeling fulfilled and and you're in a place here when nothing doesn't feel really good because nothing is emptiness it's a void there's 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 a place there in your life where you just don't feel good about the state of being where you're at it's because you can't do anything you don't have anything and so when i say nothing is good for nothing that's a true statement you can't do anything with nothing. Amen. You can't do anything with nothing. You just can't make something out of nothing. You got to have something to start with. You got to have a little something. And so this is our concept. This is the way that we think. This is our definition of this world, of this word rather. But when it comes to God, our definition and our understanding of nothing has to change because nothing is all that God really needs. <laughs> because for God, nothing is the raw material of everything. We think that God needs something. He, he needs a great substance or a great man or he needs great worth or, or he needs a person that's whole or, or well put together or perfect. But what God really is looking for is something Somebody that is willing and somebody that is available or somebody that is passionate about his kingdom. So when God comes to you and you say, I have nothing, he's going to look back at you and say, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody who has nothing. I don't care if you're well achieved. I don't care if you have a perfect track record. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care if you have a success heritage. I don't care if you have a pastor in your bloodline. I'm looking for somebody who doesn't have it all together so that when I come into that, I can begin to put it together. Come on, our God is looking for emptiness. He's looking for brokenness. He's looking for those who have nothing. 
Psalms 147 says he heals. Not the wholehearted. Not the well put together. Not the person who has a great job and a lot of money and has a good name. No, no. He said, I'm looking for the broken hearted. I'm looking for the broken heart. He said, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. It, 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 there's a reason why it says was. Because by the time the son of man gets a hold of you, by the time he gets into your situation, you're no longer broken. You're no longer lost. You're no longer bleeding. But he's going to come and he's going to transform you. He's going to save you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. In the Old Testament, we know God as, as certain names that he's given to us to understand him. This was before the all-encompassing name of Jesus, which defines everything about him. So he, he began to give names, and, and the first name is Elohim, which is the, the God, the creator, who is mighty and strong. And the Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, and it was void. It was nothing, and so God took that nothing, and he began to put it in his hands, and he flung the stars into place. And he spoke to the nothings of this world. And the world came into place. You may feel like you're here today and you are nothing. You may feel like you are empty today. You have nothing to offer. You may feel like your future is void and without form. But when God gets done dealing with you and your nothings, he's going to become your everything. You see, that's what God really wants. He wants to take your nothings and he wants to transform it in a place where he can only get glory. Where you can look back and say, I don't know how that happened. I didn't have anything to do with it. But because God reached down into my life and he pulled nothings, he made something out of nothing. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So if you are in this house today and you're looking for God to do something in your life, let me give you the key verse. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. All you have to do is walk into his kingdom and say, God, I don't have any special abilities. I really don't have any money. I don't have anything to offer, but I'm going to praise you first. I'm going to give to you first. In my household, you will be first. He said, if you do that, the scripture says all these things shall be added unto you what he's telling is is get your priorities straight you know what happens when you put god first you become first Come on, you get miracle signs and wonders. You get something called God favor, favor, where you didn't deserve the raise. You didn't deserve the job. You're not qualified for it. You walk on the dealership lot and they tell you we're having a good day. We're going to give you $10,000 off. I don't even know why we're doing it, the salesman says. But you can look back at him and say, I know why you're doing it. I decided to put God first a long time ago. And because of that, he has placed me with favor he says if you start serving me with everything you do have I will turn your nothings into something of great 
purpose. I will turn it around and I will give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. He's not just looking to make you happy. I don't know if you know this or not, but God's not interested in happiness. God doesn't care if you're happy. I think he wants us to be happy, but that's not the end of the story. No, no, no. He said, I give you joy. That means tomorrow when you go into your job and you get fired, they can't take that smile off your face. That means tomorrow if your car gets stolen, it doesn't matter because you serve the God and the author of joy. You see, happiness is fleeting. You can be happy now and walk into the parking lot and be sad, but God defines joy. He said, the joy of the Lord, that's your strength. It doesn't matter if you're happy. The question I have is, are you strong with joy? Do you have joy in your life? Because I know the author of joy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's joy unspeakable. I can't even describe it. I can't tell you about it. I don't, whatever comes my way, it doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what, well, it should matter what your boss says. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't matter if your family decides to serve God or not. You're going to have peace. When you lay your head down at night, you're filled with a confidence that you know the God that you serve. He is never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's going to walk with you. He's going to carry you. The Bible says all things were made through him. It doesn't matter the outcome because he still makes things that are good. Amen. He makes things that are good. The odds may be stacked against you. You, you may think that you're lost. You may think that you're a lost cause and nothing you do will ever matter. You've made too many mistakes. The devil's going to tell you that you're, that, that you're a failure, that you're a loser, and, and that you can't do nothing. But by the time that God gets done with your nothings, he's going to show you in the end, and the end result is always that you win. Pastor already said it. He got up in the pulpit and he said, it doesn't matter what you go through at the end of the day. The church wins I don't know about you but I'm in the church and it's a victorious church it's a church that's going on to be with God and I'm excited that I'm a winner I'm not a gamer and I don't know the song I only know like three lyrics of the song and my son always talks about he says it just says all I do is win 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 and I just said, you know, with God, all I do is win, win, win. There's no losing with God. He said, I will give you life and I will give it to you more abundantly. With God, all I do is win, win, win. Devil, it don't matter what you got in your arsenal. Devil, you're a liar. Because with God, all I do is win, win, win. Yes. Come on. When he speaks to the storm of your life, I know the diseases must die. I know the demons must flee. I know that lives are transformed. God specializes in making something out of nothing. That's his specialty. 
Did you know that he doesn't just want to do that? He, he, he has a, a knack for that. That, that's who he is. He, he's creative. He, he speaks the word and what was not there uh, begins to appear. And, and so I'm sure there's, there, there were lots of nothings in this church. I know in my church, pastor, there's a lot of nothings. But aren't you glad that God spoke into your nothings? And he called out purpose. He called out to what was dead. He called out life. Amen. To what was not, not ever thriving or producing. He called out the ability to produce. And now you have a testimony. When the devil comes down the road and he begins to remind you of what you're not and how big of a failure you are, you need to look right back to him and say, you know what? In your camp, I was not. And in your camp, I was a failure. But now that God has got a hold of me, he has transformed me to something that I never thought I could ever be. The Bible says God's word shall not pass away. And if every promise in the word of God is for me, then it's not going to pass away. I can stand on the firm foundation of the word of God. Amen. We could take it to the bank and cash it. How many like rubber checks? There's no rubber checks in the kingdom of God. Come on, if he told you he's going to do it, you can hold on to it because he's going to do it. If he told you he's going to heal you, you can take that to the doctor and tell him this is the report I'm going to believe. If he told you you're going to get a raise, then you can take that and get a raise. God does not need chemo to cure cancer. Oh, I rebuke fear in this house today. I rebuke fear and I rebuke doubt. I am not intimidated by cancer. God is not intimidated by sickness or disease. You listen to this preacher today. I speak it with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you right now, God is the author and finisher. He has authority. And I speak it right now in the name of, I rebuke fear. I rebuke doubt. I rebuke cancer. I rebuke disease. Our God sits on the throne. He is the author and the finisher yes Lord we give you honor and praise come on watch you say it right now there is nothing too big for my God there is nothing too great for my God there is nothing too far come on God does not need to conduct surgery to give you a new heart. Come on, our God is not intimidated by anything, this world, this disease, the enemy can throw at him. He has never been intimidated and he never will be. Because all I do is win, win, win. <laughs> oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. How many believe that God can do anything? There is nothing that God cannot do. So when the doctor tells you it's over, they, there aren't any other options. The Bible says that my God is Jehovah Rapha. They may be the doctor, but they're not the healer. Come on. They may have a report, but then you got to go and say, God, what's your report? What do you say? Because you got the end word. You got the final word, God. That's what they're telling me. But my faith is not in them. It's in God. 
In fact, God can reach into nothing and pull open the door of a door that does not even exist. Sometimes we box God in this small little box. We think we have him all figured out. We think we know what he can do and what he is not able to do. There's only one thing God can't do, and that's lie. Come on, the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. And so when we place God in a box, what we're saying is God is not able. But I know a God that can do all things. In fact, that goes beyond my comprehension. It goes beyond anything that I could ever imagine. Anything that is the will of God becomes the possibility of God. It's possible for him to do. God does his greatest work in the realm of impossibilities. That is his specialty. When it is impossible, God looks down and says, that's exactly what I need. He's not looking to do what a doctor can do. He's not looking to do what a lawyer can do. He's not looking to do anything that man can do. In fact, if we can't do it, he's saying, let me at it. Show me where the problem's at. Show me what I need to do. Show me the door that needs to open because that's what I do. When you do all that you can do, just stand aside and stand tall because you hand it over to me and say, now, God, it's your turn, God. I can't do it on my own. I could never do it on my own. But with God, nothing, nothing is impossible. Come on, he called a dead man back to life. Come on, he, he multiplied the loaves and the fishes. Uh, come on, they, they kept wondering uh, why their baskets were so full and where they kept coming from. Uh, and he told them this, which was really interesting. He said, I want you to count the baskets. Just just count them. He, he's God. He, he doesn't need a number. Uh, when God asks you a question, he's not really looking for an answer. He's looking for you to realize uh, that he already knows. Uh, and so when he looked at him, he said, I want you to count the baskets. Uh, he already knew the number he wasn't curious. But the reason why he told them to count the baskets uh, is because he wanted them to realize the overflow. He wanted them to realize the blessing. Uh, He told them, count them up because uh, he said, by the time you get to number four or number five, you're not going to believe your eyes. Uh, In my church, I can stand here and I know it's the same here. Uh, I can count one, two, three, four. I would never believe, pastor, that that man would be sitting in my church. Uh, It just, I couldn't fathom it, but there he is. Uh, And then I go on to six and seven and eight and nine and ten and then I realized my God I am so blessed What when the enemy told me that I have nothing God said hold on a second take a look at what you got because you didn't do it I did that I made that possible I opened that door and when you didn't think it was possible God said let me at it Nothing is impossible with God. Yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we serve a mighty God. We serve a God that sits on the throne of eternity. We serve a God that can do all things. You know why they tell you to count sheep when you can't sleep? I've tried it a few times, my brother. It actually works. I don't know where all the sheep keep coming from. 
But here I am counting sheep. They tell you to count sheep because they want you to shut your mind down. God's biggest enemy of a miracle. Because we think we got it figured out, Pastor. The problem is, is that we have our mind on the current events of this world. Who's the president? What's going to happen? All the recession garbage and all that's going on. All it's doing is our mind is consumed with fear and with doubt. And you start thinking there's no way. God, I just don't know how you can solve the problems of this world. God, you don't know my primo and you don't know my uncle and you don't know, you know, all these different people. God, they are drunk. They're out of their mind. And I, you know, I just don't understand how you're going to do it. And then all of a sudden you get a phone call. And the phone call is from that one drunk uncle that you thought would never be in church. And he is down in the dump. And he's saying, you know that God you serve. Man, I saw how he did it in your life. Do you think he could do it for me? And you turn around and say, I serve a God where nothing is impossible. I serve a God that can deliver anybody from anything. And when the devil comes and starts reminding you of what you don't have and who's not here, you look at him in the face and you let him know that God told you by the time it's over with and you're going into tomorrow, God's already there. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the lawyer says. I don't care what your financial situation looks like. When you serve the God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever, you serve a God that's already in your tomorrows. I don't know if you can wrap your mind around that one, but the God you serve already sees the problem that's coming and already has a solution. The God you serve already knows the doctor's report and he's saying, just praise your way through it, honey. I'm right there with you. He already knows your problem. He already has your solution waiting for you. I serve a God that's already in my future. His hands on my life. I don't have to worry. Come on, I don't have to doubt. It is human nature that we would be consumed sometimes with this worry and doubt. It's just who we are. We're, we're imperfect that way, but that's okay. God is okay with that. Because he comes around and he reminds us. He reminds us that when we are not perfect, he becomes our Jehovah M. Kadesh. The Lord who sanctifies. Come on, we're, we're not perfect. We are wrapped in flesh and we have fleshly issues i'm so glad i serve a god that despite uncountable times of failure uncountable times of failure that he forgives me when it seems unforgivable that he makes me he, he just makes me desire to do better and so what nothings today do you have in your life what is it in your life that you're looking at and say that that is nothing of value? And I've, I'm, I'm a failure. I, I am nothing. I have nothing. That situation in my life, it's dead. And, and, and it just seems to be overwhelming to me. But I come here to tell you that if he could raise Lazarus from the dead and you ain't even dead yet. He can raise you from the dead. Come on, he, he can turn you around. He can give you vitality. He can bring you back to reality. He can make it incredible for you. Because that's just the kind of God we serve. I, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you're... You know what the greatest thing about the church is? Is that we are all inclusive. 
We defined inclusion. That's, that is what we do. This is who we are. This is who Jesus was. He didn't go to the greatest Christians of the community. He said, no, no, show me to the ones that are lost and the broken and the ones that are struggling. He said, I don't care where you've been. You think you have a problem and nothing can be done about it. You don't know my Jesus. I have people that are sitting in my church that have tattoos all over their face and piercings and, and they get baptized in Jesus name and God begins to work. That is the greatest testimony of the church. You can mark that down. I, I don't know about you, and I love what I see in here. I see an incredible spread of different walks of life and different people. I love when I see variety in the house of God. <laughs> because the kingdom of God is inclusive. It doesn't matter race. It doesn't matter culture. It doesn't matter color. It doesn't matter financial status. It doesn't matter what you look like. God wants you. And so don't come into the house of God talking about what you don't have. The fact is, is what you do have trumps what you don't have. You walked in this place with faith that you, you don't have it, but God does. You can't do it, but God can. And so you walk in here with your chin held high and you know, God, God, I don't have much. And he's saying, well, let me remind you of a few things in my word I want you to know about here. Are there any drunk Noahs in the house? Are there any Abrahams that were too old and debunked their own miracle? Is there an Isaac who was a daydreamer and couldn't really get it together? Is there a liar like Jacob in the house today? Leah was ugly. I'll move on. Uh, Joseph was abused. Uh, Moses had a st 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 stuttering problem. Uh, and Gideon was afraid. Uh, Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Uh, Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. Uh, David had an affair and he was a murderer to boot. Uh, Elijah was suicidal. Uh, Isaiah preached naked. Uh, Jonah ran from God. Uh, Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Uh, Peter denied Jesus. Uh, the disciples fell asleep while they were praying with Jesus. Martha worried about everything and Mary Magdalene was demon possessed. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than one time. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul killed Christians and Lazarus was dead. So I come here today to ask you, what nothings do you have? Come on. There's nothing too big for God. I don't care what you bring to the house of God. Nothing does not matter to God. Oh, let's give him some praise because I have a feeling that God has brought you from a mighty long way. God has brought you to his house to let you know you're my son. You're my daughter. You will succeed. You will go far. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Luke 137, I'm trying to hurry, Pastor. It says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. I'm going to break that word up for a moment. No thing shall be impossible. The nothings in your life having a chance when you give it to God. Jeremiah 32, 17, O Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by great power and stretched out arms, and there is nothing too hard for thee. I don't have a job. Well, he's your Jehovah Jireh. 
Jesus' disciples fished all night long. They tried to tell him that it was, it was useless. It was helpless. There's nothing you can do. Uh, there's nothing. We, we're professional fishermen. You don't really know what you're talking about. We have fished all night long, and we have nothing. Nothing. We went out playing games. We, we weren't wasting time. We weren't just going crazy out there. We fished all night long. That's exactly what they needed, and their life was nothing. Can I speak to somebody here today? What you have in your life, if it is a nothing, you don't have an answer, but you have a problem. You're in a situation that cannot be defined. You're in a situation that looks like there's no end. I don't know what you're dealing with here today, but you look at your situation and you say, I have nothing. That's exactly what you need is nothing. That's what you need. They had boatloads of nothing. Their ice chests were full of nothing. Their nets were filled with nothing. They were quick to admit it was not their fault. They had tried hard, but they had come up empty. And Jesus smiles real big and he says, perfect. <laughs> he said, let me have your nothings and let me show you what I can do. He said, now launch out into the deep and let down your nets. And after they obeyed, you see, it's the nothings that sometimes gets us to obey. I said, it's, it's what you don't have and what you need that gets you to the house of God. So he can say, you tried your style, your way. Come on. But now he said, I want you to obey me. He said, I want you to cast your nets on the other side. We need to realize that, that we are nothing and God is everything and that's okay. When, when I came to God, I was born into this thing. But I had issues. I had problems. And can, I can tell you right now that he will take you down to nothing to get you to realize that you need him because he is your everything. We sometimes get so caught up with what we have and what we're doing and our job and our degree and, and our cars and our this and our that. And I'm just speaking from experience. Is that okay? Can I just be transparent? I have all this stuff going on, Brother Durant. And then all of a sudden God says, okay, now I need you to listen to me. I need you to go down to nothing so that you can realize that I am everything that you ever needed. He said, with me, you can do all things, but without me, you can do nothing. And so we find ourselves in a predicament. We, we recognize this fundamental truth and we commit ourselves to becoming nothing. We are placing ourselves in the hand of God. That's why we face storms sometimes and God needs to remind us that we need him. And so he becomes our peace. He is Jehovah Shalom, which is the Lord, our peace. And so we are nothing without him, but with him, he is our everything. So John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. If without him, we are helpless and hopeless. If without him and his presence and spirit in our life, we can do nothing, then with him, we can do all things. And so I've come up with this really easy mathemal, uh, mathematical uh, slide here for to help all of us non-mathematicians here this is probably the easiest way that i can put it i can say it but you may not get it let me just show you here right now that x plus jesus equals everything but when i take jesus out of the equation 
It doesn't matter if I'm a multimillionaire. It doesn't matter if I have everything going for me. If I have it all and I don't have Jesus, then I have nothing. I have nothing. But when I bring Jesus into however small my situation is or however big my situation is, then I walk away with everything that I will ever need. When we think that we are all that matters, when we get the job done on our own, it's about our strength, our power. We are so wrong. If I were to leave the church today, God's church would still go on. If I were to walk away and say, I'm not working for God anymore, there's somebody else that God would raise up on my power I can do nothing but on his power nothing is impossible come on I might be able to preach but without Jesus I can't preach I might be able to get up here and sing but I can't sing without Jesus I gotta get to the place sister Ashley where I realize that I can't even walk without him holding my hand I gotta get to a place where every day when I wake up I realize that I can do nothing without him but with him I can do anything I gotta get to the place where I am thankful for everything he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Me without Jesus equals zero. But Jesus equals everything. You can be super low. But when you have God, you have something. And when he comes, revival comes. To what was dead, revival comes. When he comes, deliverance comes. Whatever you do and you introduce Jesus into your situation is when he comes. So I'm going to come to a close if we can have our musician or piano. I want to talk to somebody about an opportunity that you have here today. I brought a really valuable glass here. We see this glass, cup, jar. I think they call it a carafe. I'm not into the homemaking scene. And we can accurately describe it as having nothing inside of it. Brother Nathan, you have nothing in that jar. You're a genius. There's nothing in the jar. I can open the lid and I can pour out all my nothing. There's nothing in there. The enemy will try to tell you that you have nothing. And he actually could be right. There isn't anything in there. I have nothing to give, nothing to offer. I have nothing, nothing of no value. And while it appears that he is right, he's actually deceiving you. Because the fact is, is I do actually have something in here. There is something in here. While it appears to be empty, it actually isn't empty. So, if in this room, every bit of oxygen would to be pulled out of this room, every bit, no way to breathe except for this bottle filled with oxygen, your bank account wouldn't matter. 
Come on, money would no longer be something you desired. Your health, good health, cars wouldn't matter, status wouldn't matter, looks wouldn't matter, nothing would matter. But what I have in this jar represents the greatest opportunity and miracle that you can have. Because if I were to pull the oxygen out of this room, the only life that would be left would be what would be in here. You see, the greatest miracle of all is the gift of life. Life brings opportunity. The Bible says that after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall have power. Power to witness. How do you witness? You witness because you have breath in your lungs that God gave you. The greatest talent you have is time. You may not have money. You may not have good health. You may not have the looks that you desire. I don't know what it is that you feel your nothing is. But actually, in reality, what you do have is another breath. So the devil's going to tell you, you have nothing. You don't have any great talent. You can't preach. You can't sing. You can't witness. Look at your history. Look at all this garbage. He's going to come and tell you that. He's going to try to convince you, my brother, that you have nothing. But you can look him back in the eye and say, you know what I do have? I have another breath. The Bible says that if we do not praise him, the rocks will cry out. You know what the greatest, you know, your greatest weapon is not a perfect track record. <laughs> your greatest weapon is not a last name. It's not a, a, a minister's life. That's not your greatest weapon. Your greatest weapon is your praise. Today, if you have breath in your lungs, you have the greatest talent that you could ever have. It's the talent of time and opportunity. Would you stand to your feet today? And I'm coming to a close. We're going to open up this altar right here. I, I don't know what you don't have. But I do know what you do have. Because with God, you have the most incredible calling on your life. There is no business like the kingdom business. There is no opportunity like the presence. And so if you are in here today and you want to commit yourself again to God, to be a witness, to be a worshiper, to be a praiser, to... <clears throat> to do something for his kingdom I want to invite you whether you turn around in your chair right there or you come up to the altar doesn't matter to me I want to invite you to thank God for opportunity come on because with God you can do nothing without God rather you can do nothing but with God you can do all things can we worship him right now and begin to praise him for the opportunity for the breath that we have in our lungs? Can we just open our mouths right now and begin to worship God? Lord, you are great and greatly to be praised. Come on. He has done so much for you. He has brought you so far. He has given you so much. Can I just challenge you today to take what you do have? Take what you do have and give it back to God. Come on, as they sing right now, let's begin to worship God. Let's begin to thank God. Come on, every voice, every lung that's filled with air right now, can you offer that back up as a praise to Him?
Can you offer that back up? I, I don't know the nothings of your life. But God is our everything. Come on, He is our everything today. He is my everything today. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.